think it's about that time. Ira Jersey, take it away. Welcome to League One Fun. Please subscribe, rate, and review us on your favorite podcast app. We're sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. I'm Ira Jersey, and that voice you heard to start us off was Jason. Jason, another show, and we actually had soccer this week. We did. I mean, we did, and it was good soccer. I know there was a lot of doubters. We had some good soccer this weekend. Well, I think the first thing, you know, I'm just going to say it off the top, and I know this isn't the review part of the show, but it's nice to have a team that doesn't look like OCB did last year. Um, you didn't, have, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to do that. There was like you could have just said, "Wow, Fort Lauderdale impressed me," but no, you had to go and take shots at, at Gooch and Wayu's team. That was well, so unnecessary. Well, when I when I see them this weekend, when they play this weekend, I I'm do. hoping that they look more like um, you know TFC did last year or Fort Lauderdale did last week. So over, and, I'm gonna say three. What's the over under of names you'll recognize on that roster on OCB? Yeah, uh, I'm. You'll say three. I'll take the under. Okay. <laughs> At least I'm starting 11. Yeah, for sure. I think I can do three. But, you know, we have someone with us whose name we will recognize because he played nine matches last season for Toronto FC2. He had three clean sheets. Um, and his name is Eric Klonofsky. And he's joining us from you, – you, are you in Canada right now? Yeah, I'm in Toronto right now. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it, guys. That, that's great. So so I think we'll just have a conversation. And, you know, before we went live, we did have um, – we, we were joking around a little bit. But I'll let Jason ask the first question, and then we'll just go back and forth and have a little chat. Yeah, so uh, so I I had the the pleasure of breaking the news, uh, the unfortunate news that you guys wouldn't be playing this year. And so the way I heard it was the players from other teams were told literally like the the day I reported, it's so like a week before the season was supposed to start. So you know what was it like in your camp, and what was it the situation where did you know it was coming? Did, were they trying to? set something to where they will maybe you stay in the U S for a while and then, you know, play away games there. Was there, how did that, how did that happen? Yeah. So uh, it was a very, I don't, I don't know exactly how long ago it happened or, or what date, but obviously, you know, uh, a lot of uncertainty ensues as uh, you know, something like that comes about. Um, so I'm actually the, the USLPA rep for Toronto FC two. And I found out about it um very quickly soon after the board of directors meeting and you know communicated that to our guys and you know like i said before there was a lot of uncertainty um i don't think there was ever a point where we discussed or there was a discussion about going to the united states for an extended period of time uh, speaking with our general manager uh after it had all been announced um that wasn't something that we felt was feasible um, from a health perspective, I believe. So um, we, we totally supported that. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's not the, the best situation. That being said, with, with any adverse situation, it also comes opportunity. So all of us are, are, are looking into that in, uh, in that kind of realm frame. Yeah, a quick follow up with that. What's it like being in a place that actually takes care of their citizens and puts uh, safety protocols? Because I think we are kind of struggling with that down here. Well, so. he's, he's, he's from New Jersey, too. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, New Jersey's doing well. So, so we, we know what that's like, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm very thankful. I'm very thankful to be where I am in the position I am right now. So, yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about, you know, what you guys are going to do for the season. Have you, has the, the club maybe made some provisions as to, you know, are some guys going to go out on loan to CPL clubs when CPL starts to play? Are you guys going to have friendlies maybe against other, other teams? Or are you just going to stay kind of in-house and, and uh, do fitness and, and training within the club? 
So I, I think the club is, you know, exploring all possibilities for us. Um, so soon after we the announcement was made that we were not going to be participating in League One this year, um, our general manager, Ali Curtis, uh, was uh, very quick and got all of us on a call to discuss, um, you know, how we were going to move forward and, and everything that was about to unfold. Um, so there were discussions about, you know, guys going on loan and um, playing friendlies and uh, basically leaving all options up, uh, up in the air to, to figure out. So um, if guys went on loan to a CPL club, I would not be surprised. If guys went on loan to uh, USL Championship, USL League One club, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, if TFC2 plays friendlies this year, I also would not be surprised. I think 2020 is the is the year of adaptation. So uh, Toronto FC2 is the epitome of that for the time being. Um, so there's going to be a lot of uh, different things. I think, guys, when the first team comes back, some guys will, will go up and train with the first team. And like I said, the, there's going to be loans that, that happen. I think um, I think the, the transfer window has been adapted a little bit um, because of the, the state of the world in 2020. Uh, so that opens on August 12th, and I, and I would be very surprised if you didn't see some TFC2 players, a handful at least, going on loan uh, somewhere, whether that's CPL, uh, USL Championship, League One, um, or wherever anyone has a, has a connection. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I saw that. Yeah, that was going to be my next question, if it was a possibility for you guys to play for other League One teams. Yeah, I mean, to my knowledge right now, it's, it's very possible. Um, I, I don't see why it wouldn't be. It's just, you know, everybody's ITCs are in Canada, so we need to wait till the window opens in order to, to transfer those ITCs. And then once that happens, um, yeah, it, it becomes feasible. And to my knowledge, I believe the window is open from August 12th to the rest of the year. So it, maybe it's not something that happens on August 12th. Maybe it's something that happens, you know, somebody has an injury and, and, and somebody goes – somewhere in September. That being said, you know, rosters were set, you know, these are now uh, very interesting times because, you know, the season had started, people were, clubs were gearing up for the season. So for there to be an option for guys, um, it needs to be a special uh, scenario for sure, whether it's, you know, somebody picking up an injury, somebody not, um, maybe they feel like they need reinforcements in, in some, whatever team it is, fill in the blank. Um, and that's kind of the, the opportunistic scenario that we're going to have to be in. But you personally though, sorry, I already cut you off because I don't know if we'll see you on a team, but I know one thing we'll see you doing is, is something else, right? I think you've made a decision to uh, fill some time coming up. So maybe higher education. Oh, I do a million things. So uh, <laughs> uh, I, I am a firm believer that I'm, I'm a person first before I'm a soccer player. And that's, you know, something that I feel strongly about. Uh, so, yeah, I, I just got accepted into Staffordshire University in their uh, sport and exercise psychology master's program. It's a, a distance learning platform that I'm, I'm going to do part time over the next two years. But uh, that's kind of just the tip of the iceberg for, for what it is that, that I do on a daily basis. So, yeah, doing uh, everything I can to make best use of my time for sure. So to, a quick question before I get into the meat one. But ITC is a term that you used before just for our listeners who might not know what that means. What, what is an ITC? Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure what the acronym stands for. Maybe like international transfer certificates, something yep. like that. But basically, exactly I, I'm I'm registered as a professional soccer player in Canada. So the only time that can change is in the transfer window. Right. So. 
So last year, let the, let's talk a little bit about some on-field stuff. So last year, um, you know, TFC2 had a pretty good attack, and you were one of the most entertaining attacking sides to, to watch. Um, you know, so firstly, you know, what, what were you guys working on before the break, and, and are you working on now in order to kind of limit uh, the, the goals against that you guys had last year, firstly? And secondly, what's it like to try and block shots from Jordan Perusa? I mean, is it, you know, I mean, I assume that has to make you a better keeper. uh, You would think, right? Prutz is a great guy. He's lethal in front of the net, in front of uh, virtually everyone else. But uh, for some reason, when we're in training, he just bombs them over pretty much every other time. So uh, I know you'd never believe it, right? But no, No, I would not believe it. (laughs) Jordan gets a chance. He he gets a chance in a game. and, And more often than not, it's a goal. But yeah, I don't know something. Maybe it's the baldness. I don't know what it is. But yeah, he just he just has for some so, for some reason. I so don't Eric, know. Eric, Eric intimidates Jordan. Yeah, for some, <laughs> I mean, he, he better hope I don't. We don't get loaned. We we don't get loaned to different teams. But that'll be an interesting dynamic if we're up against each other at some point in the future. Um, so everybody listening, you can you can uh, take note of that. Uh, but what we were working on before, I mean, so obviously we got a new coaching staff. Um, uh, not a completely new coaching staff, but, you know, some guys were moved around. Obviously, our, our head coach was, was Michael Rabasca last year, is Mike Munoz now. Um, both great coaches in their own right. Um, but we were kind of um, working on, like you said, um, you know, trying to tighten things up in the back and, you know, um, uh, figure out what kind of tactical system we're going to play and uh, how we relate to what the first team is doing. And, and <laughs> it's the intimidating stash. There you go. Um, yeah. So, I, I mean, we were uh, incrementally working on both sides of the game. I think, you know, Mike came in and had uh, his own ideas in relation to um, how TFC goes about playing. And we're just trying, we were trying to work on those. We were, we were moving forward. We had a friendly, um, with Pittsburgh Riverhounds uh, a couple of weeks before uh, before everything got locked down, which was very positive, tied zero zero, uh, I believe. Um, yeah, so we were we were moving forward, and um, it's a shame that everything got shut down. But yeah, that's kind of where we were at before everything um, ended. Yeah. One of the things that we bring up a lot on this show, and so it's it's great to ask you when we talk about two teams, we're always talking about cohesiveness we're talking about you know the the disruption of the rotation of players you know some players coming down you know you have players like endo who might come down and then you have players like Schaffelberg who went up and you have different rotation throughout the year and we say that it affects the style of play and maybe it's tougher for people to get that chemistry going uh you're you know you're the you're the prime example to ask is that true do you feel that it kind of does it's harder to get into a groove when there's constant rotation or do you feel that because you're in a system, it's easier to just plug and play? Uh, I mean, not to give too much away, but (laughs) in terms of a system, um, whether it's a first team player or a second team player, we're all on the same page in regard to what we want to do and how we want to play. So that, that doesn't really change um, in terms of players coming up and players coming down. What does happen is maybe a guy like Jacob Schaffelberg, uh, when he's playing with TFC two, he allows us to play a different way, right? When Jaden Nelson is on the field, he allows us to play a different way. Um, And then at the same time, guys are moving in and out. Like you said, maybe some guys are coming down that don't want to come down all the time, which is also understandable. Um, You know, it's, it's not, um, it's not cut and dry, right? It's gray. You know, there's times where, you know, um, 
first off, I would say that TFC in general, there is a very strong culture of excellence that I have not experienced anywhere else that I've been. Maybe at Monmouth. That's probably the only other rival I, I would give uh, TFC in terms of cultural of excellence. But, um, yeah, I, I would say it does it, – it, it comes with its challenges. Obviously, it's easier to get in a rhythm when you know who's going to be on the field. And, and there's times where, you know, injuries happen. Maybe a player doesn't get into a game uh, with the first team or, you know, things change rapidly. So um, – a very uh, good thought process that we try to hold is we are here, you know, obviously we're here to win games, but we are here at the end of the day for the first team to be successful, right? We are an extension of the first team and we're trying to make TFC, the organization be successful, right? So that we're a piece of that and it all, that all comes together. But yeah, uh, to answer your question, it definitely uh, affects the rhythm for sure. Inevitably. So as the, as the, team's PA rep, um, you, you know, it's kind of, you're in a unique situation where when we talk to a PA rep from like the Richmond Kickers, one of the independent teams, um, you know, they, they speak for everyone on the team, but you basically are covered by two different PAs, right? You're the USL PA as well as the MLS PA. It's at, at some level, you have players coming to both. How, how does that relationship work when you have guys like, you know, Jason, uh, like Chapel were coming down and, uh, you know, what, what's the relationship there between the two different kind of competing, you know, systems, I guess, when it comes to, uh, uh, when it comes to the, the team management and the different players associations? Well, I, I don't think that, I mean, not, not from my experience, it hasn't really been all that relevant just yet. Keep in mind that, you know, League One just um, ratified, uh, you know, that we were going to be a union, that we were going to be represent, represented by the USLPA just last year, right? So we're very much in our infancy in, in, in that regard. And in and, and the same token, uh, the USLPA is, is working diligently to uh, get a collective bargaining agreement done for the USL championship. So with regard to USL League One right now, there isn't all that much changing, at least last year. Now, this year, there's, it's a, there's a lot more um, being done. There's a lot more discussions being had just because of the environment of what 2020 has uh, uh, shown. Um, so for the moment, we haven't really had, you know, we haven't had a first team player come down into our environment with, all, with the proposals that have happened. That being said, we're not in the league right now, you know, so um, that, that kind of, uh, that, yeah, that, that, um, that solves itself for me. Right. So um, last year, you know, we were basically voting on whether um, we were going to approve unionizing or not. Right. Which is pretty simple, you know, as a couple of meetings. Um, and that, that was kind of the start of it. That's really the infancy, infancy of um, being in a player's union for TFC two. And then from there this year, right. We're not getting players really loaned down loaned down right now and even if we did right we're not we're like i said we're not competing in league one so thankfully so far it's not really something i've had to navigate just yet all right you know i have to be spicy now i maybe you you give great pr answers so i already know when you said that a couple guys that don't want to come down uh you're not going to tell you're not going to name names and that's fine i'm not gonna, well, I'm I, was, not gonna I wasn't even saying um tfc that could be anybody that could be mm -hmm. at any Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I, I will pretend you didn't say uh, uh, a promising USMNT or Canadian national team player who's been making headlines. But I will ask, and this is more, about, this is more, this is more <laughs> of a defense. People, I, every time I talk to a player, they say it's tough to play 
a primetime Toronto four o'clock game on that field Fridays and not for good reasons. It's because that, that field is tough on them. I'm giving you the space now to defend your field as the not worst field in USL league one. I don't know if there's like a politically, uh, I don't I don't know if there's a political dilemma there. Um, you know, TFC, uh, uh, the training ground is one of the nicest training grounds that I've played at in, in, um, all of North America, I would argue. Um, you know, I, I was on trial with Everton um, uh, in 2016. I was at um, Finch Farm in Liverpool. Pretty close, pretty close. Theirs is bigger, but uh, BMO training ground is pretty close. So that's uh, that's probably where I'll leave that. <laughs> okay. Listen, like I said, great, great training, great, great management training. <laughs> So with that, Eric. Yeah, yes. I mean, shout out to our uh, our media guys. Yeah, and then I do have one last question. Now that you're you're in Canada, and you you're in the 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 prime kind of epicenter of these youth national the Toronto you know, Canadian youth national players, right? You've you've got the Jay Nelson, you've got Okello, you've got Perusa, you've got um, you've got Nutty, you've got a lot of these kids that are coming up. Is it sure. one of those things to where you're looking at in the future? Let's say you do end up playing in. CPL and let's say that you do stay at Toronto and because you can play both places, do you see yourself maybe staying in Canada? And I don't know what your, what your future desires are. If you want to coach or if you want to scout or if that opportunity arrives, do you think that you would, you know, think about it and go, you know what, this is, this is something I think I, I can be involved with. A hundred percent. Like I've said before, I, there, there's clubs that I've been to. Um, this is, you know, maybe not the most politically correct. Here you go. Get ready. Uh, <laughs> finally, that I've been to where I'm, I'm not a huge fan after I leave. I'm not a huge fan. Uh, I'm not. And TFC is a, is a place where I'm so thankful to be here. I I've grown so much and you know, it's such a culture of excellence. Like I said, that whenever that day comes that I move on from this club, I will be a huge fan of, of what is going on in Toronto um, with TFC. And if the day comes where I have the privilege to um, work at TFC um, past a player role, then I, I would definitely um, jump at it for sure. Okay. I noticed that there's a uh, – uh, that you have not only an Everton um, – Everton behind you, but Real Madrid. So I guess congratulations are in order. Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's more of like a, a scarf collection. There's some stuff uh, that I'm, I'm missing there, but I wouldn't say that I'm an incredible Real Madrid fan. <laughs> to be honest fair, with you. <laughs> fair enough. That's Eric Klonowski, the a goalkeeper for Toronto FC2 and the uh, players rep, as it turns out, for, for the club, which I didn't know until tonight. So, Eric, thanks very much for coming on League One Fun. Of course. Thanks for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Eric. Yep. Have a good one. So, Jason, I guess it's time to move on to the agenda, and we're on uh, to news. So, firstly, uh, you know, th there was a lot of little bits of news. Um, you know, th there's such a um, such a plethora of it. I don't know where to start exactly, but why don't we just start maybe with, uh, you know, your thoughts on the new patch that the Greenville Triumph uh, created, uh, which says together we triumph and it has, uh, you know, hands of different colors, you know, joined in a, um, uh, joined in a, in a square and in yeah. unity. So, you know, nice little, um, nod there to the black lives matter movement. And yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I love that. And you've seen a little bit in the NWSL where it'll be 
28 of the people kneeling and then you might have two, you know, standing. And so I think this is one of those things to where this takes a representation of the whole team. I'm assuming that they went to the players and said, Hey, we want to do this. Are all of you guys cool with this? And they all said yes. And so the fact that they're able to do that and it's one, you know, cohesive, just pretty much statement. I, I, I love it. I'm a hundred percent down with that. I hope to see more teams do that as well as getting involved within their community. Um, you know, I think league one in general, and I tweeted about it too. Um, as you see the, the black Lives matters armbands that were worn, you know, this previous weekend with Greenville and Fort Lauderdale, uh, you know, the league, you know, supplied those armbands and paid for them, but it's actually the players that went to the league and asked for that, right? They said, Hey, we want to make a statement at the very least, we want to have armbands that say that. And then the league was like, we 100% uh, agree with that. We 100% can support that and, you know, get behind that. Why don't you let us get those for you? And so, yeah, any any team that can make a statement as a whole, good with me in my book. Yeah. So that's uh, um, so good on Greenville Triumph and the rest of the league. Um, you know, unfortunately, now we have to go from the good news to the maybe not as good news. Yeah, not not as good. That you broke yesterday too. Yeah. So uh, you know, we we've had more positive tests, um, and I believe it was eight throughout five teams, if I'm not mistaken. And you know, I, I've talked to a couple players about this and the synopsis is a, a lot of them are not happy with how this is being handled. Um, this is, you know, we're, we're unbiased podcasts. I'm here for the players. I'm here to support the players and yeah, they're not happy, right? It's one of those things to where, you know, multiple players across multiple teams are saying, you know, the protocol rules, you know, are very strict for the players, but not necessarily for the staff and the other people involved, right? So you have people who, you know, are, are you know, going through and being strict to the protocol while they're on the field or on the campus, but then they leave and they're not really looked after, right? So you don't know what they're doing and then they come back and who knows what happens. Um, and so, yeah, we've seen a couple of positive cases that's, you know, suspended some games. And then when, when people are, do have a positive case, the rule is that whoever is, let's say it's a player, their roommate or whoever's in touch with that player has to quarantine for 14 days, right? Now, the person themselves who tested positive only has to be away for 10 days before they can then come back and interact with the team again. So I don't understand what sense that makes to where if you test positive, you can come back in 10 days. But if you're just around somebody who tested positive, you have to quarantine for 14. Uh, so it, it seems like it's easier to just get it than then come back because you save four days. I can't uh, say that I remember everything from the protocol, but I think that that that's assuming that there's another negative test. Okay. Um, so, so yeah, um, I'm, I'm pretty sure, but I, but then but again, it, you know, it's a 51 page, 52 right, page. Doctor, right. and, and, and so, yeah. And so it's one of those things to where, you know, I, I hope that teams are taking stricter looks at, you know, the, not just the players, but the employees and the other people, that are involved because it's not fair to them. Like the players yeah. are the number one priority for safety. And so if somebody's testing positive and they feel that 10 days later, they're back, you know, with them, 
and they're not comfortable, then we're not doing our part in protecting the players. I think that's one of the big challenges with what the USL in general is trying to do because they, you know, they're in their own markets. They're having fans in the stadiums, you know, that presents its own challenges. But like you said, it's not like the NWSL or major league soccer, which are in bubbles, right? So they, you know, the, the people who tested positive in those cases were, um, you know, quarantined themselves. And it seems like there's not community spread within those bubbles. So those seem to work. And, and that's just harder, right? Cause there's not a bubble here. And, and, yeah. you know, how are they going to do that? Are they going to set up tents or something for the, <laughs> you know, players and staff at the uh, training but facilities? But, so, so that's why it comes down to just the people use your common sense. Right. And it's one of those things to where if that's not your belief, whatever, but, for the job that you work and the people you work with, and this is something that the league has said, this is what we believe, and just just abide by it, okay? Like, and and you look at teams like Hartford Athletic, their supporter section was great. Everyone was wearing a mask. We're you know basically six feet apart. It's doable. It's not hard. Then you've got teams like OKC who have people literally in coughing distance of the players, and then you have you know people taking pictures like fans with the play. None of this makes sense, right? Like just stop being selfish. You get to see soccer, which you probably don't deserve if you've been out here not wearing a mask to begin with. Like so, if you're not going to do it for yourself, do it for the these players that you supposedly care about and that you're so desperate to see play because it's not fair to them. Like don't ask to take a picture and be all in their face. If you know, you're not been, you're not wearing a mask or you haven't been wearing a mask. It's, it's stupid. And so, right. you know, no, this has no, to selfie, be, no selfie yeah. celebration. So this is, this is on people, right? The team can only do so much. The league can only do so much people in general. Y'all got to do better. Simple as that. Right. So with that take, shall we move on a little bit to some uh, to some roster updates? You want to talk yeah. a little bit about that? Let's so, so, uh, so, firstly, Union Omaha signed uh, Devin uh, Boyce uh, from uh, he was from uh, St. Louis University alum. He played in League Two for uh, Brazos Valley Cal- Calgary. Um, he had trained with the Riverhounds apparently in preseason. I, I didn't know that, um, but he uh, um, obviously didn't make that roster, so ended up on Union Omaha. Um, I watched a little bit of tape on him. Seems okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it's you know, it's a. I would think that he's a depth option for. And that's for, that's why I was saying I like what Union's doing. Right, they, depth is going to be important, especially you know in the shorter season, double game weeks. You know, I, I like what they're doing. That you see these coming in this late too. It's one of those things. Obviously, it's not a starter. It's going to be you know take time to get into the system. But yeah, it's better to have those bodies because you don't know what's going to happen in midseason and all of a sudden you're down five players you're you're going to end up like tormenta you know and just like you need bodies you need someone who knows the systems get in get them in now give them time to be in practice to watch the games to get chemistry with their players as opposed to okay we're in trouble and trying to bring someone in midseason who doesn't know and just plugging them in Right, so Jay Mims can uh, probably bring him off the bench if if he need be. Mm-hmm. Uh, FC Tucson signed a few players. Um, so Samuel, I I don't know how to pronounce his name, but is it Beak? Maybe? Shocker, shocker. Yeah, Ira doesn't know how to pronounce other people's names. <laughs> That's fine. Um, sorry about that. Uh, so he's uh, he's from Germany. He played in uh, at Western Michigan. Um, I watched a little bit of tape on him too. Seems to be have a really nice touch actually. Um, you know, but kind of a possession guy. So I don't know how FC Tucson is going to play this year compared to last year. But you know, given that he's, uh, um, you know, given that that they are Phoenix Rising's um, uh, developmental team, it seems like you know, hey, this is a guy that maybe after you know a little while might actually have a shot for the first team. 
I think when it comes to Tucson, everybody's got a shot at the first team, right? Like this is one of those things. It's sure. it's it's for anybody. Uh, I think there's probably only three or four positions that are no. This is this is solidified. Everybody else, I think. And I think that's part of it, right? I think Tucson is one of those things to where it is player development. It is about seeing who is good enough to progress and maybe end up playing for Phoenix Rising. Uh, one thing that's interesting is Phoenix Rising, just looking at their roster and been watching them play, they have like 8 million forwards. So <laughs> I don't know, you know, with the absence of Jordan Jones, if that means that we might, you know, if we plan on sending somebody down, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen, but I, and you know, they have uh, Legos and I know Atlanta United too, or Atlanta United in general as a system would hate that, that I'd be shocked that there wasn't some kind of a clause saying, Hey, if we loan him to you guys, you can't loan him down to a lower league, but he's not playing and they've got 20 million forward. So I don't know what's happening there. So some minutes, that would be interesting. I wonder if I, I, you know, I wonder I wonder what it is because today's the 48-hour uh, time, so they actually would have had to submit um, at least part of their roster, I think their 23-man roster, to uh, to the league. Um, so, yeah, so interesting that, uh, you know, so we'll find out I, maybe in the next couple – in the next day. Uh, certainly yeah. in two days we will because all the games are on Saturday night. Uh, also, uh, Davidson alum Jordan Hill. He played mm-hmm. 15 matches last year for OCB. And uh, I actually like Jordan Hill. Like I, I like saw the name, remembered it, went back, and Jordan Hill was pr- like for for that back line to be as atrocious as it was, and for Orlando in general, like for to be atrocious, he he was pretty good. He he only played like you said half the season and led the teams in blo- or, you know, second in team in blocks and uh, tied in clearances. So it's just like he he obviously made a difference. It's just. What, what- what I remember from Jordan was that he was good one-on-one, but he was often out of position and he was one of those players who, you know, that, that back line was so leaky because they didn't, they didn't stay um, in a line, right? It was always, you always had someone dropping back and, and, you know, the line was always crooked. So you wound up keeping people on side um, instead of, uh, I- instead of remaining disciplined. And I think that that might've been, so, so we'll, we'll see. I, I, I agree with you. I mean, he was good one-on-one, but not, uh, you know, but not necessarily as part of that group. So if he can, if he can stay there and, and, you know, become familiar with the system, then maybe, uh, maybe they'll do okay. Um, Tommy Silva uh, just graduated high school and is, uh, was at the Real Salt Lake, Arizona Academy, which I, I wasn't as familiar that's, with the Arizona Academy. That's but such a flex to me that you can be like 17 years old and be like, Oh yeah, I, I play professional soccer. You know, yeah, that's, no big deal. That's a that's a thing. Hey, uh, a guy played last night for the New York Red Bulls, and uh, he scored on his 17th birthday, wearing number 17 at 17 minutes 17 seconds. Um, and I kid you not, look that up. Ben, Mons are you, are you into numerology? Are you trying to? Are you trying was, to tell us? Something? I was there. I was there when he scored. Were the Mayans right? Did we did we get the date wrong? Are we? Do we have one year left? <laughs> I don't know. I, I I hope more than one year. Um, let's see. Oh. So, also, the, the Greenville Triumph re-signed Connor Dowley. Uh, he was uh, to an economy, uh, academy contract, so he's uh, set to play for uh, Furman University. So, uh, what um, so so what happens with the 
academy contracts is that the player is a full player with the team and it's really up to their university whether or not they can stay with the team or have to go back to the university so presumably if there's no university season this year for the for Furman um, then he's very likely but potentially to stay with the team for for a while assuming he can do classes remotely or um, or whatever so um, right. so expect him to to be with the team I, I don't remember seeing him last year at all did he did I didn't check. Yeah. Did he get any minutes? Yeah. So I, I don't um, remember seeing him. I don't, I don't think he got any minutes. And if he did, it might've been one of those like college basketball games at the end of the year, they last 30 <laughs> seconds. They bring in the guys who didn't get to play. <laughs> right. Um, uh, so, yeah. So, so, you know, good on, good on Connor. Hopefully uh, he'll see, see the pitch this, this season. If, uh, if he can, um, any other news that you want to bring up, Jason? So Flor Mingo's actually brought us some uh, breaking news, uh, at least to, to my, to knowledge. And he's saying that three guys are coming down from Chicago fire and getting announced tomorrow morning for Ford Madison. Wow. Well, we're looking forward to that. That's a spicy take that uh, that Jason didn't get. Be, being promiscuous has its benefits. So, <laughs> so interesting. Um, all right. So, moving on, since Flormingos uh, broke that news, uh, assuming assuming it's news, you better not be lying to us. We we know we know where it's, you're. It's, it's already recorded. So, if oh if, man. If, well, every, anyway. if there's no announcement in the morning, everyone Ford Madison's fan base needs to <laughs> at his mention. We'll tweet it so that you have it, and you can go ahead and just fill his mentions with uh, anger and disappointment. <laughs> there you go. But again, right. the way Chicago played today, I don't know if I would want anybody from that team playing for uh, me. Yeah, I my, my team didn't do so well last night either. Um, no. They did not. Yeah, it was so ugly until the last twenty minutes. And anyway, um, this is not an MLS show, so we should move on. All right, uh, our match recap for the week because there was only a single match was Fort Lauderdale Club Day Football zero and Greenville Triumph two. Let's see if you can get through this without insulting Orlando. Uh, I'm gonna not talk about Orlando at all at the moment. Um, and Orlando could be a completely different team this season. So, uh, you know, I'm not you, saying, uh, you're the one that insulted them for no I, reason. I insulted them last year. I mean, <laughs> come on. Um, let's see. So, you know, pretty even, pretty even overall in stats. I, my, I did two things that I noted tactically was I liked how Fort Lauderdale tried to keep the ball and play with it, right? Even when they were getting pressed, especially that first half hour or so of the match when Greenville, I think Coach Hark said, hey, let's, let's tout out something a little bit different this year instead of kind of sitting back and hit on the counter and, and play down the wings. Let's try and see if we can press. And they did that pretty successfully early in the game. It didn't lead to a goal, but it did lead to some pretty dangerous chances. So, you know, something tactically that, that, uh, you know, maybe they'll, uh, they'll pull out at, on occasion against teams that try to possess the ball like Fort Lauderdale did. What do, what do you think, Jason? Yeah. And I, I think they, they caught Greenville completely off guard. I think that press hurt them early. Greenville had some sloppy passes. I think that a lot of the high pressing teams, are going to succeed early into the season, right? Because it's one of those things to where if you're not on your P's and Q's, you don't have your passing down pat, you're going to make mistakes. And, and Fort Lauderdale almost made them pay for it. If it wasn't for Dallas J coming up with, you know, three big saves in the first 20 minutes of the game, that's a whole different game, right? Going into that first hydration break, being down 1-0 changes the whole mindset and the whole tactics of everything going on with, you know, past that. But, you know, with Dallas Shea making those big saves, it gave Greenville a chance to, you know, 
take a break, recompose, and then go out there and, and play their game. And that's another interesting point. Those hydration breaks are going to be really beneficial for teams. Um, I think it's just, I wonder if we shouldn't get rid of halftime and just have two 10 minute. Yeah. Like, we'll make it like hockey. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really <laughs> beneficial because going into that first hydration break, I thought I was like Fort Lauderdale might be going to half winning because they have completely dominated in this first 15, 20 minutes. And then, then you start getting the Greenville we're used to. And that's when uh, they kind of took over. So, uh, the the goal the first goal came uh, late in the first half, but it was Alex Morrell, right? Who else? You know, wins the ball around midfield, turns and uh, and basically pings an inch perfect pass uh, over to the left wing, and um, you know, talk us through this. So yeah, so so I think it was uh, Aaron Walker who going through Aaron Walker it. to yeah, Morrell, right? to yeah. Morrell. And it's just beauty. It's what a 40 yard diagonal. It was just an amazing pass. It's one of those things to where that's the goal of the week. Then honestly, I don't know. And I'm asking you what's more impressive the, the way that Alex Morrell brought it down and set himself up in one touch, or is it the 40 yard diagonal on a dime to him? I think you have to go with Walker's uh, 40 yard pass on the dime. I mean, I mean, Morrell did a great job. Don't get me wrong. Like, you, you know, you missed that. He was covered, right? So he was covered within two or three yards. So had he not got brought it down perfectly, um, he would have been either, either in a position to block where he would have had to make a move to try and get a shot on goal. Um, but yeah, that, that first touch was great. But I think Walker's vision to see Morrell racing down the left hand yes. side has to be, uh, has to, it's, clearly what made the goal right because without that the the chance doesn't uh isn't graded at all aaron patrick mahomes walker that was just it was incredible to watch that but but props to morell because that touch right it comes down to that touch you can have that right there and then too heavy of a touch now all of a sudden you don't have the angle or too heavy of a touch now you have to go back and reset but brought it down and that touch set himself up for that shot for a great angle and he did what he does for the second year in a row, and he opened up the USL League one season uh, with the first goal of the season. Yeah. So, and and Jason, so your uh, your, your prediction is is that he might have the first uh, the, the first goal for the first thirteen seasons. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't put it every, in every different team too, right? It's just right. <laughs> traded every year. Yeah, every year, every he he. You know, he like I saw his Tinder profile. He likes. He says he's an active traveler. He likes you know taking pictures of different places. So I'm sure this is something he's looking forward to. <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, goal in the second half. Do you want to talk us through that? You could talk. I talked us through the first one. You talk us through this one. Oh, uh, I hate to say that I don't remember it. Wow. You know, we're, we're, supposed to be doing? We're, we're doing this streaming, so we're supposed to be watching. Unbelievable. Yeah. yeah so I know, I, I, I know Jake Keegan scored it. Yeah. Um, so on, it was, on, on a header, right? It was, yep. a, cross, it was a cross, yep. but I don't remember who, who actually sent in the cross. Yeah, it, um, was, a, it was a nice flick. Uh, it, was, it was one of those headers to where like, it wasn't a, like a jump header, right? It wasn't like straight. Yeah, it was, he was clearly like a scrum and he was able to get his head right. there first kind right. of right. After head came out and bad, you know, bad, like caught in no, no man's land. And so, yeah. But that's what good strikers do, right? Like good strikers find those seams in between the defenders to be able to get to the ball first. Right. right. And that's, basically what Jake Keegan did. And, and it, it was basically head high. I mean, I don't think he, if memory serves, he didn't have to jump at all. And, it makes up for that first half, I think where he missed that sitter. And so <laughs> it was good. It was good for him. Right. Because, you get that in, you're like, all right, I made up for it. 
get that off my chest. Whereas if you don't get that and you go in after the game and you think about, you know, the, the tapping you should have had, who knows what that does to him. Right. Yeah. But he's a professional, so I'm sure he can easily forget about it. Yeah. Then after that, Greenville just saw out the game doing what they do, being the best defensive team in the league. Right. Oh, they yeah. just, uh, so they, they did have one or two more chances, but, but in fairness, the end of the game, the second, the, the last 20 minutes of the game, Fort Lauderdale did have a few chances, like, oh, yeah. uh, you know, two to one would have been a fair score um, for, for this match for sure. Uh, but Dallas J came up big again. Uh, that double save was pretty incredible. I, I would say Fort Lauderdale had the better chances. It's just, they, it's their first game together. You think about all those offside calls, right? I think Ricky, yeah, there were like 18 offside. Ricky like, Eppins Lopez was offside yeah, five times yeah. in the first but, 20 minutes. Yeah. But if they get that together and they get on Jordan Peruza status with those, with that timing, that's, that's a team to watch out for because they had some really great chances. Um, you know, and I look at some of these young players, uh, they were dominating that midfield, you know, in the second half, Abdi Muhammad stepped up, was really good at his timing and interceptions. Uh, I, I was really impressed by that, right? One of those things to where he pick and chose when he was going to sprint to intercept the ball. And he always seemed to pretty much make the right choice. And so I think that's something that's going to take them far, but yeah, you look at guys like, uh, Blaine Ferry. For, for that young man to just dominate the midfield like he was doing, he was taking people on aggressively and was well, three on one situations. And, I, you know, to go do that against the best defensive team in the league last year and just to kind of have that confidence. I, listen, Fort Lauderdale came, they're not playing around. They, they came to, to shut down, you know, any kind of thoughts that we had of them being a bottom feeding team. Is this um so one of the th things I, I wanted to talk a little bit about is the fact that Greenville, you know, we we talked in our preview show that they've they lost, you know, three-ish key players, right? Two of which kind of had got like for like replacements. Um, you know, did we did we notice any deficiencies there? I mean, I mean, one of the things that it, it was clear to me is that their organization was just as mm -hmm. good this year as it was last year. So um, you know, is there anything that um that kind of you, you saw that might be deficient. I mean, speed the passing, maybe a little bit. Passing, yeah. is the, I think the passing and the speed of the passing. So one of the things that was hard to break down with Greenville last year, the high pressing teams, is that they pass the ball so quickly, and you have someone like Tyler Polak who can come back and get that pass it one to it, and all of a sudden be midfield. You didn't see that against Fort Lauderdale. And instead you saw some sloppy giveaways and that led to chances. And so that, I think that's just more of a playing with these, you know, playing with your teammates more and getting familiar with them and working on that and muscle memory. So I think that's something they'll get together, but I think that was the big difference between what we saw Saturday and what we saw last year. And keep in mind, it is the first game of the season effectively. Right. right? And, and after kind of a second weird preseason. So, yeah. you know, some of it may have been nerves, obviously Greenville had to travel. Do we know if they traveled by air or by bus, by the way, because uh, they, they did get a cool new bus, but that's a pretty long trip still from. Yeah. From that's Carolina a, I drove way. from Atlanta to, to Fort Lauderdale and I'll never do that again. Yeah, ever, so. ever. I, uh, yeah, I, I've drove it once from DC and, and, um, it's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's, pretty long and pretty yeah. boring there on the Florida turnpike or, or <laughs> however you go. Um, but anyway, uh, Joe exotics farm and check out some tigers. Uh, I didn't do that. No, yeah, um, well, that's why <laughs> um, the, so should we talk about and preview the games for that are all Saturday night? Yeah, we can. And one last thing I want to add is, um, 
I think Greenville was a lot more physical in that second half. I don't know if John Hark said to him then, like, look, if you don't start tackling these damn teenagers, what are you doing? (laughs) So, but they were a lot, they were a lot more physical and it, you can tell it it messed up, uh, you know, uh, Fort Lauderdale's groove and they, those one twos they were doing earlier in the way that they were getting through in those midfields, they weren't allowing that. Right. So Blaine in the first half was able to just cut through the whole midfield and you watch three defenders kind of close in on him this time, you know, you had Abdi or somebody trip him up before he can get started. Yeah. There weren't that many, I didn't think hard tackles, right. There was, no, I'm not saying they, yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's more like, Hey, get that shoulder in there, bump them yep. off the ball. Right. Like, like, don't be, don't be afraid to make contact. Act, right like in the beginning yeah. you know maybe, maybe that was a covid thing or something i don't know um, <laughs> so, wow a covid joke um, really <laughs> i don't know it's been four months of sitting in this room so I'm, uh, <laughs> so, um so saturday uh, you know something else that 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 i i hope you know in the future i hope that that we everyone takes into consideration is maybe not playing all the games at the same time so we could watch them all uh at different times without two screens because i invariably oh. look at one match while a goal is scored in yeah. the other one so i'm uh, not doing I that anymore. Think it has to do with maybe the heat right they're probably yeah, trying to make the games late later as possible so these players yeah, there's a die. there's fridays and sat and sundays i mean I said, forget the physical health anyway. i will watch as many saying friday and sundays at seven o'clock could work too but so all the games are on espn plus uh saturday july 25th all times that we're going to give our eastern time because that is where we live um and most of the games are there for for that matter um so 5 p.m we get the uh the, the first match of the new england revolution 2 hosting union omaha um the, in their first ever match as well so um, you know, we don't know what either of these teams really will look like. Um, right. you know, presumably, we know um, a little bit more about Omaha than we do New England. A little, yeah, definitely a little bit. I mean, I've seen some tape on some of the guys from from Revs too. Um, you know, I I don't know. For me, impossible to discount the match. Um, you know, they're going to be playing on turf. I don't know how um, how used the Union Omaha is for that because their home pitch is is grass, I believe, um, and so presumably they practice on grass. Uh, so. Um, there might be a little bit of home field advantage here for the revs. They also didn't have to travel from, you know, one time zone to another. So, and any thoughts at all about this match or, or is there anyone in particular that you're going to be looking for? I'm looking at, uh, I'm look. So I know Union Omaha's offense is going to be a good offense. I know they're going to click eventually. I'm looking at their defense. Um, and I'm looking at new England's defense as well. Right. I think those, I new England has some good offensive players as well, but I don't know what either of these defenses are going to do. I think that new England might have more of the physical approach to try to slow down the game because Omaha kind of have the scarier offensive players. And so it, it's one of those things to where if new England can keep it close, if they can go into it at halftime at, at zero, zero, then that second half is up for grabs, right? It's, it's about defending that first 45 minutes and not letting the game get out of hands because if Omaha scores in that first 15, 20 minutes, game's over. I'm calling it right now. Like I, I'll put money on it. If Omaha scores in that first 20 minutes, I might as well go ahead and start looking at what the next games are because that or it's going to be or it's going to be four four right like uh, oh, like, oh, is that what you think okay <laughs> I don't know I mean it could be right I mean yeah. like, you know, we've seen matches like that you know think about some of the matches like TFC last year right TFC right. two had you know a bunch of you know five six goal matches so yeah not I just think with, with Omaha's defense from what I've seen that that ain't happening I think that if they put one or two up they're not going to lose the game. There's, there's no way. 
Right. All right. Uh, moving on. So there's two matches at 7 p.m. The first one is Fort Lauderdale uh, is hosting FC Tucson. Um, I'm going to give the edge on this one to Fort Lauderdale primarily because um, uh, pr- primarily because they, they've had a game under their belt. They're not traveling. Um, I think that the butterflies that I think might have been in, in some of those those kids' stomachs the first couple of days um, uh, and, and for the first uh, match have probably gone. Um, so so I, I give the edge to Fort Lauderdale. In fact, in this week's USL League One Pick'em, uh, I have them uh, I have them winning um, and, and beating Tucson. I think it'll be close, though. It'll be, you know, 1-0 or 2-1, something like that. It's not going to be, uh, I don't think, a blowout either way. I mean, I, but but Fort Lauderdale looked okay. And, you know, Tucson, I think, will we'll keep them toe-to-toe, but just uh, Fort Lauderdale nick a goal. You ready for, for a spicy take? I am. I think this is going to be the most exciting game of the weekend. It would not surprise I th- me. I think I think we're looking at a 2-2, two, 2-1, two, two, you know, 3-2 game. Ooh. I think it's going to be very open. Uh, I think that you saw, like, if, if Fort Lauderdale can have those chances against Greenville, they can have those chances against anybody. And so I think you're just they're going to continue what they're doing. They're going to high press. I think it's going to force Tucson into making mistakes with a, a pretty much brand-new back line, right? But I do love the offensive players that Tucson have, and I do think that that there's a variety of players you look at. Like I said, of course, I'm the conductor of the Eric Bergen hype train, but Charlie Dennis had the second most chances created in the league last year. And people severely underrate him and not talk about him. And I think him pivoting that offense and having the plethora of offensive talent on that team, even if it, whether it's a striker that's coming down for Phoenix rising or whether it's a Shaq Adams, whether it's a bunch of the league two guys that they've got that were you know, balling in league two, I think this is going to be a fun game. I think we might get a little back and forth going on here. That, that would not surprise me one bit. You know, Charlie Dennis is someone we should consider trying to have on the show in the future. Cause you know, his story is kind of interesting, especially since he went from, you know, a, a good team and was kind of a key cog. I think that you could build around him, right? Tucson can mm-hmm. definitely build around him as an offensive threat for sure. Yep. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he's utilized in, the, in their system. The only reason why he's playing for Tucson or in USL League One is because of the international slot, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of USL championship teams and MLS teams don't want to use that, but I do know that he is working on getting his green card. So once that happens, uh, I think I, we'll see the championship. See if Phoenix wants to pull him up because he he he's just he's built to like he's like six two his frame the physicality on the ball he won more duels than anybody else in the league last year so when you have a guy that can just just body and bully people off the ball in the offensive end hold up play is an amazing passer and can finish what else do you need right like you said that's something that you build an offense around so yeah I'm telling y'all I'm excited to see this game now watch it be zero zero and I, I end up being mad but I'm saying from what I what I think is going to happen I think this is going to be an open game we're going to get a lot of back and forth going on so so given that the other match is Greenville versus Richmond which is a must must uh, watch for me so so that'll be the one that you're watching live I mean you'll probably be double screening it right yeah but, yeah I'll um, be watching that I'll be double screening it but that's the one I'll be I'll be looking to okay. Greenville Richmond I think it's going to be pretty slow uh, okay. I'm looking at that being a 1-0 Greenville win 
Uh, Richmond has a good defense. They have a great center back duo in Akwe and Venter. So it's going to be harder to break them down. Uh, we'll see what kind, you know, they have new coach, new, new style play. So we'll see what that is. And I just have a feeling that's going to be a slower game. Meanwhile, that Fort Lauderdale two sound game is just going to be back and forth the whole time. It's just going to captivate me. Yeah, I can see that too. And in the pick I picked Greenville as that. I picked that as my lock. Yeah. Um, Cause you're all cowards. Everybody picked Greenville as their lock. Well, you're all cowards. Well, well, what was, what was your lock or did you have one? I got Tucson. You took Tucson as a lock. I did because okay. I'm not a coward. All right. Well, I had four of the smartest, but, I- but I'm not a coward. That's one thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, see, I'm, I'm a uh, I'm a bond investor, so mm-hmm. I, I tend to tend I'm to a, be risk averse. I'm a delinquent gambler, so yeah, <laughs> it, that fits. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so, so you know, we we discussed a little bit about Greenville Richmond. I think Richmond. It'll be interesting to see how they're different than last year because even though they had some new pieces, a lot of their a lot of their team is still coming back, even though they have a new coach. So the question is, um, can Darren Sawatsky, their their new coach, kind of gel them into a, a better defensive unit? And more importantly, because their defense really wasn't terrible last year, can they get get them to create chances? Because last yeah. year they couldn't create enough chances to make it um, to, to, to make it close and to be able to score. And obviously against Greenville, that's really hard. So I, I, I suspect that Greenville wins this game by multiple goals. I hate to say wow. that because okay. if I had a rooting interest, it would certainly be for Richmond, but um, you're, you're, you're USL league one champions going down multiple goals, huh? I'm, I'm saying, <laughs> I didn't say champions. I said they would make the championship. Greenville coming in first and beating Richmond in the finals okay. is, is what I had. Um, so, but uh, yeah, I suspect that, that, you know, Richmond will probably be, you know, trying to figure things out. Greenville again has a game under their belt. They know how to play They're at home. Um, so I think that, uh, that Greenville has to have the edge there. I also um, think that this game is going to be won in the midfield. Um, so one thing to watch for, I don't know his health status for this week, but Klaus didn't p- play for Greenville last week. And I think he's a big component in the midfield. And so now that you're going against a bigger team, a more experienced and physical team, uh, I think that's going to be, you know, how Greenville played the second half. That's how they're going to have to play pretty much the whole game. I think it's going to be a lot more physical winning that midfield battle and then creating chances that way. And it'll be interesting to see who's in the midfield for Richmond at all. I mean, we, we know, you know, Riley Kraft will probably be there, but you know, there's a couple of other potential people who might be there. So they're going to play with a double pivot with two holding midfielders, or are they going to, you know, what, how are they going to set up and what, how's the movement going to uh, going to be? Cause last year they, they were set up to possess the ball. Um, but of course last year there was a lot of possession without any penetration. Right. Yeah. And now, um, so, 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 so how is that problem going to be fixed by Coach Zawatsky? Um, The next game is 8 p.m., so um, right at halftime, uh, as halftime ends on the other games, you can turn on that one, and that is South Georgia Tormenta versus the Chattanooga Red Wolves. Uh, so this could be an interesting match. Second uh, most entertaining game of the weekend. Yeah, I I, I suspect I suspect that that's – This is another one that might be – Three, yeah. three, three, four. It's you've got a complete new back line with Chattanooga, but you've got all of their offensive players returning. They're all healthy again. You've got new ones now and Ricardo Zakari. So I it's it could be exciting. I don't know. I have to look at Tormenta's notes. I don't know if they released it yet, but last week, if they were supposed to play, they were down to so they were they were going to have to use a left back as their center back because their center back that right now is just completed with injuries. So 
with them being that depleted, yeah, they're they're starting the season off not great when it comes to the to the injury status. So if you know, it's the same thing this week. You talk about Chattanooga, Chattanooga's a tackle coming back, but they weren't one of the more offensive teams last season. You know, they, so they weren't, and they 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 were the only team that didn't make it the two hundred uh, chances created, but they were literally the most efficient in oh, finishing. Yeah. Yep, they were the most like statistically the most efficient. So that's all it takes, right? Is when you have the Pineda duo coming, and now that you you know you you got BD who can be more of a facilitator. If you give them let's say they get seven, eight chances this game, like, you know, legit good chances. They're going to bag two or three of them easy. So that's what it comes down to, right? It's how many chances they're going to get. Did Eamon Zayed come back to Chattanooga? So I know he is, he, he, he's there for sure. I, I know he was, he was talking about coaching. I don't know if he started, but I think he is back and on the roster. Okay. Yeah. I was curious because it, when it, the, he looked the most dangerous when he came in against tired legs, right? When yep. he came and that's in, exactly like, yeah. And now that we've got 60, five subs, it's, yeah. it's, so he just yeah. play a half of every game. Right. And, and yeah. then also Tormenta's got a uh, Devin Jonga. And yeah, so, no, so the last person you want to see with tired legs. So yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see because the end of last season though, Chattanooga didn't play a particularly high line, right? And Devin was always better when teams played a bit higher with their with their center backs pushed up and Devin was able to get in behind. Um so when when so it'll and, be interesting to see. And what the injuries, I think Tormenta's gonna invite them in anyway. So I think that's gonna be the key, right? Is is how much Chattanooga's willing to give them, right? How many guys are they gonna actually have? Go I don't up. know, or, or you don't. I mean, if you have if you have a right or left back playing as a center back, then you, you might be better off exactly. So back, right, and and you know, just keep those three back there and and use the pace of the outside backs to keep up with. Uh, yeah, now, anyway. now I'm convinced this game is going to be zero zero, and the teams are just going to be like, Nah, you can take. Nah, you take it. We I don't want it. Yeah. Everyone comes long balls all the time. Yeah. All right. Um, the 9 p.m. match uh, is uh, 9 p.m. Eastern. That is, is the uh, what? What? What do they call this? This is the El Plastico El Plastico Derby. This is North Texas Soccer Club playing for the first time in Arlington um, at their stadium, uh, which apparently is going to be more open than it what they were originally planning on because of social distancing with the fans in the stadium. They're going to have a, a lot more of the stadium open. Um, than they typically would uh, versus Ford Madison coming down there. Um, I had this as a draw primarily That's because I have no idea what North say, Texas is going to be. Biggest question mark of the weekend. I have <laughs> yeah. no idea what North Texas is going to be for defensively. Be, I don't know like, what they're going to be. It's either going to be one, one or six nil because I'll have all the FC Dallas players. I mean, <laughs> it's like, it's like one or the other. Yeah. I have no idea. Uh, I think we're going to probably have seven new starters for, for North Texas, which is wild, right? Like regardless of them being in a system and being a championship team, seven new starters is a wild amount of starters. So who knows, right? And it's one of those things to where maybe they play the exact same system. Maybe David takes over for Arturo and it's just, you know, North Texas 2.0. Now they've got Alex Bruce up there to help Thomas, you know, with the offense and, who knows? Dante, I, I, I just there's there's so many different ways this can go, but I do think it's going to be a draw, and I think that adding players like Lamar Batista on the on the back line is going to help them against Ford. Ford dominated them in the series last year, and it was because of that physicality and winning those those corners and free kick balls and Connor Tobin getting up there and poking it in for an assist and things like. 
that's the kind of stuff that North Texas, you know, was exposed to last year. And so I think they did a good job in bringing in a couple guys to, to help with that. And I think that especially will help in that game against Ford. Cause that was what Ford was picking on all of last year. One well, and forward last year too. And, and they're bringing him back this year, right? Eric Leonard, the way that he played and was able to kind of drift over and cover Arturo Rodriguez and cut out a lot of passes too. They, they kind of disrupted North Texas's rhythm, you know, North mm-hmm. Texas last season um, had, you know, their goal was in some matches to have 600 passes completed, right? So if you're trying to get 600 passes completed, which by the way, like uh, uh, in a, a team that has a lot of passes completed has like 400 completed, right? So 600 yeah. is amazingly, you know, this I think I called it a death by a thousand passes last year. Yeah, and and basically it's this you know when you can disrupt that rhythm that North Texas gets in that can be really uh, um, that can be really interesting. So I think that that this might wind up being like a nil nil or one one match, but I yeah. think tactically it'll be really interesting to watch. So if you're a soccer nerd and you want to see really interesting tactics, and I think Coach Shore and and uh, can set up to be able to disrupt North Texas in such a way that North yeah. Texas is going to have to um, adjust to that, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that happens. Yeah, I 100% agree, and I actually think it's it's Ford's to lose. Um, you know, because of the question, but also it's one of those things to where just like with Greenville and Fort Lauderdale, it's really tough to prepare for a team that you don't honestly know who's playing and how they play. Right. I guess like with North Texas, you can see how they played last year, but when you have new personnel, you don't necessarily like for, for passes that Arturo might've made, David might keep it right. He might be more physical and say, no, I'll take on Eric Leonard instead of trying to force his pass for him to intercept. So I think it'll be, it'll be a good game. It's like you said, especially from a tactic standpoint, I'm looking at one, one, but I do think that Ford does have a better chance to, to win it. Uh, It's just whether or not, you know, we'll see what North Texas puts out because I have no idea. So, Really quickly, let's uh, just review our pickums for the week. Uh, maybe this should be a recurring segment um, as we uh, as we do the official USL League One, uh, which we we appreciate. By the way, um, you know, maybe consider getting one or two play by play guys on there. Uh, USL, yeah, USL. Maybe your your only official uh, full commentary play by play guy. You know, <laughs> well he well you're talking about you're talking about Ross Ross Davenport. Maybe yeah, He's maybe maybe get him. A color, he's a color I'm commentator, and he's 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 in Greenville's pocket. You know, sorry, Ross. wow, no. wow. Uh, no, Ross, I love you, man. Uh, let's see. So, so I, my lock is Greenville over Richmond. Uh, I think Fort Lauderdale is going to beat Tucson, and that North Texas Madison is a draw. Uh, Jason, who did you pick in your pick? I have Greenville winning as well. I have Tucson beating Fort Lauderdale, and I have the draw as well in El Plastico. Okay, there you go. And and who is your lock? My lock is Tucson because I'm not a coward. <laughs> uh, I'm a coward. Okay, did we get any questions? We didn't have any. We um, didn't. Nobody wants to talk to us. All right. yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I'm sure they Except will. Eric. Thank you, Eric, for, for yeah. talking to us. <laughs> I think after these games, um, yeah, Eric Konofsky, um, after these matches, I'm sure we'll have some questions. So make yeah. sure you send us questions. Um, you, you can do that at um, at our Gmail account, uh, League One. That's League in the number one, fun at gmail.com. Uh, Jason checks that pretty regularly. Um, I, I check it when I remember. Um, let's see. So anything else, Jason, that you want to talk about tonight? No, listen, I'm telling y'all. That Tucson Fort Lauderdale game is going to be fun, and if I'm wrong, yeah, well, that wouldn't be the first time. All right. Well, Jason, where can people connect with you? 
at home sweet soccer i can be found at ira jersey and you can connect with the show on twitter at league one that's league the number one fun thanks for listening please rate and review us wherever you get your podcast apps and thank you to roughneck scarves the official scarf supplier of usl major league soccer and the ncaa as well as u.s soccer and thanks for our second sponsor jason our second sponsor makes jerseys, like cool ones, right? I like, like jerseys. I'm wearing a jersey right now. You wear jerseys all the time. I, I, I love jerseys. You know, the other night I was wearing a jersey. It wasn't Your last age jersey. Wow. as many jerseys We're as just I some jersey-ass guys. <laughs> uh, but Icarus FC, you know, they, they make cool kits, Jason. They do. And in all honesty, I tweeted about this a couple of weeks ago. I'm going through all my jerseys right now, and I'd say a good quarter of them are Icarus FC jerseys. Yeah. So if you need jerseys for your, your team or your, you know, your men's league team or your youth team, uh, check out IcarusFC.com and uh, you know, tell them that uh, League One uh, fun sent you. Jason, until next week, hashtag support local soccer. 